Hello and welcome back to the Behaviors and Trauma and Education podcast. This week our main focus is connecting. How do we find ways to connect with these difficult students that we have in our classrooms and across various settings in education? This is going to be talking about a proactive tier one approach and a reactive approach to how we address behaviors and how we still connect with these students even when we want to um, almost give up on them because of the stress and the anxiety and all the difficult things that they bring into our lives and into our classrooms. So number one, we need to think about does the student feel wanted when they walk in the door? This is the door of the school and this is the door of your classroom. When that student walks in the door, what is their perception? Do they feel wanted? Do they feel like when they walk in my door, do they feel loved? Do they feel welcome? Do they feel like today's a new day? Even if yesterday was a bad day, do they feel like today's a new opportunity to impress people and to have a successful day? If students aren't, that's something that we have to change from the get-go. The One of the big things that I've really focused on this year is understanding that you know, students don't do bad things to tick off teachers on purpose, and they never have the intent to walk into a classroom and say, I'm going to do this to tick this teacher off because I know this teacher gets this response. The main reason that t- students do these behaviors is because they want attention. And I can, I can say that I would say 80 to 90% of all behaviors that I work with and that come across um, me and my, my profession are rooted by attention. Now, is it positive attention? Almost always not positive attention, but it's negative attention-seeking behaviors that we see students doing. Yeah, it might seem like they're doing things to really tick you off and question your authority and your classroom management and the control and the climate of your, your classroom, but at the end of the day, they're doing it for attention. They're doing it to make their, their, their peers laugh that's sitting right next to them, their best friend in the back. They're trying to make them laugh. They're trying to upset you because at the end of the day, they know if they upset you, they still get attention from you versus them sitting there quietly and maybe not getting any attention. So when we can think about student behaviors happening for the reason of attention instead of personal attacks or them having a, a prerogative of some some sort or some type, it really helps us to kind of form how we're going to handle each situation. And then the second thing that I try to remind myself in the moment is that all behavior is learned behavior. And so if students grew up within a household or an environment where there wasn't the opportunity to learn all the appropriate uh, behaviors and um, childhood milestones and growth patterns, we need to be the ones to help change that behavior. And then the other thing that I try to think of when behaviors do happen is before I get all jacked up and we get the office involved and everybody else, has the student even been taught how to handle this behavior? An example might be somebody question, uh, we got a male in the classroom, somebody questions the male authority, the male gets up, pushes another kid and or punches them. Just a basic verbal altercation, the student gets mad, pops somebody in the face. So before, When I go to that situation, I know, number one, obviously that wasn't an appropriate response. But in my head, I'm thinking to myself, has this student been taught explicitly how to handle when somebody questions his manhood, makes fun of whatever he is making fun of? Does he know the regulation strategies? Does he have the appropriate places and the safe spots within the building for him to go to get this anger out? Does he have the networks and the relationships within the school for him to go to talk to, to talk through this situation? And almost always the students have not been taught explicitly how to handle those social and emotional behaviors or situations that happen throughout the day. And so 
this is just, it's always teachable moments with these behaviors and these things that happen. Yeah, you could say that a lot of behaviors are taught and they're encompassed through school-wide missions and visions, but a lot of times these behaviors and the things that we want, the replacement behaviors and the target behaviors are never taught explicitly. They're always things that we're having to continue to change and continue to teach uh, students. The one thing that I think we all need to know and that we all need to remember each day when we get to school is that tough kids are an investment. Um, you have to want them and you have to want to get to know them. And so if you want a tough kid to really respond in your class and thrive in your class to whatever potential that they're capable of, we have to know that they're an investment. And like anything that you invest in, whether it's a stock market, um, property, any type of asset, you have to be willing to to put some money forward and you have to be able to understand the risk involved in that investment. And when we do make investments with these tough kids, they are extremely risky. And But if we don't make the risk and we don't take the opportunities to try to help these kids and to, to be there and want to get to know them, we're never going to see, we're never going to yield what we want. We're never going to see the gains that we want. We're never going to get to the potential that we want for these students. So first and foremost, we have to want to invest in these students. So as I go through my list here of things that I kind of want to cover, I want us to think about that one to five students that we have. What Pick that student and get them in your brain. So I'm going to go through the proactive things for keeping that solid connection and that relationship within the classroom. So number one, this is your tier one. Do we know the student and their living situation? Do we know what the student goes through on a day-to-day -day basis? We can only control a student from 8 to 3.30 in, in their environment that happens with that student. But outside of those hours, do we know what they're going home to? Do we ask? Do we sit down and ask the student what they're going through? Yeah, we might, we might have read through their file or heard rumors from the previous year's teachers. But do we sit down and talk to the student about what their living situation is day-to-day? -day? Second one, do we ask about Maslow? And so you're going to hear a lot about Maslow's hierarchy and needs. And do we ask them every single day when they walk into the classroom? Number one, have you been fed? Do you have water? Where did you sleep last night? And did you sleep? And I can say a very, very, very generous amount of behaviors are due to those things not being met. The student not being fed, the student not having enough water, the student not having a safe shelter, or the student not sleeping. When we can help provide all of those for students, and it might be a 10 or a 15 minute nap in the office. It might be throwing them a water bottle. It might be giving them a granola bar to get through the class period. Whatever it is, we need to make sure that the students' needs are met. First and foremost, do we tell them we are that we care about them? Does this student know that we care about them? They might have a hint, but a lot of times these students don't even know what it means to be cared for. So does the student know and do we explicitly go out of our way to look the student in the eyes and tell them that we care about them in the good and the bad? Do we routinely check in on them? Are we making sure that they got to school on time? Are we going to check in on them you know, periodically through the day? Are we going to check in on them in the lunchroom? Are we seeing how they're doing? Do they know that we're their go-to person and that we are there for them? Do we, t do we tell them about our imperfections? Do we take our teacher hat off for a second? And do we talk about some of the difficulties and the adversities that we've been through? A lot of the great relationships that I've created with some of my students is letting them know some of the things that I've been through and how we're not that much different from each other. And so by letting them understand that we're human beings and we've went through things, 
these it's like this you can just see the weight being lifted off the students when they know that we're human beings too we just happen to be a couple years older than them and at the end of the day do we know what their end goal is i i, I can say confidently that i know what the goal is for every single student that i work with where they want to get to if they want to go to college if they don't want to go to college what they're uh, passionate about what their perfect career would be if they had a lot of money and they could get there and what their realistic career could be and so by knowing these goals and where the students want to be it allows us to connect with them and connect every little thing that happens within the classroom towards what they want to do for example i have a student that wants to be in the military so every good and bad thing I do, I'm able to reflect their trajectory of getting enlisted and getting accepted into the military. Okay, so you said a swear word. So is your, what, what is your drill sergeant going to do if you say a swear word, you get into the military? You got to class on time. You're coming to school on time every time this week. Do you think your drill sergeant's going to appreciate that and your captain? Yeah, absolutely. They're going to love that. That's what being, being in the military is all about. So every single thing that they do in the classroom, we're able to make it relevant to them. Instead of spitting school-wide expectations and stuff at them, we're able to make it relevant to their life. So these are all proactive tier one approaches that we should be doing with in a perfect world every kid but this is a lot of stuff but these are just a handful of things that we should be doing with those tough students to show that we're going out of their way to do all the preventative things to hopefully um, create the relationships so that nothing bad does happen but inevitably bad things do happen that kid does stand up and does punch somebody in the face gives them a black guy gets an assault charge so what do we do how do we react so as a school and as a teacher and whatever our role is what are we going to decide? Are we going to give the student a consequence or are we going to give the student a punishment? And a lot of times I think these get used hand in hand and we don't define the difference between a consequence and a punishment. A punishment is punitive. All right, you punch somebody, so that means you're getting ISS, OSS, or detention. Or in a situation, we could say your consequence is a restorative justice circle. We're going to bring all the parties together. We're going to sit down. We're going to work through this. We're going to talk through it. We're going to learn the skills. Obviously, there's a skill deficit so we're going to, or a performance deficit. So we're going to sit down and we're going to teach you the, and give you the appropriate skills and be exposed to the curriculum to help you not make this decision again. So when you do get upset and you're not regulated, you have a safe place to go and we can do these things. And on top of that, you're going to do a little bit of, um, you're going to maybe write a sorry apology letter and you're going to do different things like that until um, all of them get finished or we could just suspend you kick you out of school um, not fix anything and then put you back into the environment without the skills and so a lot of times I think we have to decide are we going to when, when we have to react is it a consequence or is it a punishment and a lot of times you're gonna see the, the, the majority of growth in these situations are gonna be with the consequences the second thing is do we embarrass them in front of in the public or do we address it privately? Remember, these students, the root of all of their behaviors is for attention. And so if we embarrass the student in front of their 24 to 26 classmates, we then lost that trust that we've been working on with the tier one and the proactive approach for so long. It's gone. If we embarrass them publicly and humiliate them and yell at them and tell them to go to the office. Rather, hey, Johnny, why don't, you want to just come step out in the hallway with me real quick? Hey, can you tell me why what happened, why, why this happened? And by doing that, the student kind of takes, they don't have to show. They don't have to do the attention-seeking behaviors. They don't have to put on the show. The power struggle doesn't happen. They're able to be honest with you, and you're able to be honest with them. Do we ask why before we jump to conclusions? So before we jump to suspending the kid within 30 seconds of them punching them in the face, do we ask them why that happened? 
Do we understand that the student hadn't eaten breakfast? The student didn't sleep last night? The student um, heard his dad punch his mom in the face? Did, did we un understand what's going on in the circumstances? Do we ask why these things are happening? Because a lot of times there's a why for all these things happening. Does it give anybody an excuse? Absolutely not. But it becomes a teachable moment and it, be, it helps us understand where the deficits are in the student's life socially and emotionally and where we can help them. Do we ask the student what we can do as a school and how we did things wrong? So in this situation, Johnny, I see that you punched him. What, what did I necessarily or what can I do better as a teacher to make sure that this doesn't happen again? Because it happened in my classroom. What did I, what did I do wrong or what do you need? And by us asking them that question, it makes the student think about what they need in order to be successful. It doesn't, it doesn't make us have a power struggle with them and tell, have us be the authority figure and tell them everything they did wrong. Rather, they know that, hey, this is my day one teacher. This is the person that loves me and cares for me. They want to know what I need in order to be successful. And so it allows us to continue to build that relationship even in the middle of a crisis. It allows them to understand that, yeah, you made a really stupid decision, but at the end of the day, I care about you and I don't want this to happen. So inevitably, the student's going to get OSS. I'm sure if they, if they assaulted somebody, they're going to have to be asked to move, remove from the school. But at, let's say the student has to reintegrate. So the student had a day of out-of-school suspension. Um, how do we re reintegrate the student back into the school? So a way to remember, we're still trying to connect. That's the whole reason we're talking about all this is how we connect. We talked about connecting from a proactive approach. We talked about connecting with a student when it's time to react. The situation just happened. We're in the middle of a crisis. How are we reacting to still save that connection in that relationship? And now the student's being reintegrated back in. So whether they're coming back from ISS, whether they're coming back from OSS, whatever their punishment was, remember, they're probably going to be getting a punishment until we move away from all those things. Instead of a consequence, if they did get a punishment, hopefully they didn't, but if they did, how do we reintegrate these students back? Because unfortunately, this is the reality, and how do we reintegrate back? Number one, we need to meet them right away at the beginning of the day. We got to give them a high five. We got to make them feel welcome. They need to know that we're excited to see them and nobody's looking at them differently. Number two, we need to ask them what they need to be successful that day. So if they were OSS, they had a day to reflect on everything. Hopefully we send some things home with them, some social thinking maps talking about, you know, why did we do this? What was the reason, the antecedent, the trigger? Like, what are your reasons for doing this? And now that we're a day past it, the 24 hour rule, what, what do you need to be successful? What can we do as a school to make sure that this doesn't happen again? Because, you know, we really do care about you and we're sorry that this happened. And number three, ask how this impacted their ability to reach their goals. Remember, I said way back in the tier one stuff, do we even know where the student's trying to get to? If Johnny's the student that I was talking about that wants to get into the military, Johnny, how, how, how am I going to be able to tell your drill sergeant or your captain someday when you're applying for the military that you're a good fit when you just you snapped and you punched somebody? You showed no discipline, you showed no restraint, and you weren't able to show me that you're trying to work through things and you're trying to get better and you can handle your emotions. And so that really puts it back on the student and it makes it relevant to that student. It's not us telling them everything they did wrong. It's them taking ownership for where they want to get to their life and their life goals and how they need to change in order to adapt and get to where they want to be. So this is everything that I kind of think 
and just some of the things that when I work with students and I'm trying to keep that positive connection through the thick and the thin, there's good and there's bad going on all the time. How do we continue to keep that relationship safe? Thank you for listening.